Welcome to Trauma-Informed Parenting, where you can find information about adoption, foster care, parenting a child with a capital letter syndrome, such as ADD, ADHD, FASD, SPD, on the spectrum, etc., and trauma-informed parenting, all in one place. I'm Kathleen Guire, your host, mother of seven, four through adoption, former National Parent of the Year, author, teacher, and speaker, but more important than any of those things, I'm a parent just like you. I know what it's like to raise kiddos with trauma histories and capital letter syndromes. I used to feel as if I were the only one struggling, and because I felt that way, I isolated myself. I don't want you to feel alone in your parenting journey. So grab a cup of coffee and join me for Trauma-Informed Parenting, a Coffee Break Podcast. Hi, Kathleen Guire here. Welcome to this episode of Trauma-Informed Parenting. Today, I am going to talk about navigating holiday gatherings during the holiday season. And I was just going to talk about extended family, but I was talking to my husband a little bit ago and he started reminding me of some other holiday gatherings that we've attended and how we had to navigate those. But I am going to actually start today with something from my daughter, Audrey, and I posted this on Instagram. And this is... Reduced Stress Christmas with Neurodivergent Kids. And like I said, you can find this on Instagram. Surprises aren't fun for everyone. Neurodivergent kids might struggle with regulating emotions, even positive ones, when dealing with surprises. If there's one big thing they've been asking for and they aren't getting it, warn them ahead of time. Hey, I know you really wanted a switch, but we're not getting one this year, okay? If you assume whatever you're giving them will trump disappointment, you might be setting both of you up for heartbreak. Yeah, been there, done that. It's better to let them know ahead of time so that they can begin to process it. Number two, consider fabric gift wrap or gift bags for presents, especially for kids with fine motor control issues or short frustration fuses. What looks like a beautifully wrapped present to an adult might be a patience draining nightmare nightmare for a kid caught in heightened emotional suspense. Repeat that four or five times, and even with great gifts, you've got a kid snowballing into sensory overload. And I would add to that, if somebody else has wrapped the gift, and it is beautiful, and your child is struggling, then it's okay to help them open the gift. And I had to do that many times, just sit there, and not only it was it co-regulating, but it was helping them open the gift physically. Being able to have that dexterity was difficult for them, so helping them open the gift is fine. And don't... I'm just preaching to the choir here. Don't give in to the pressure of the adult saying, let them do it. Like, no, you don't need to. You know your child. You love your child. You know what they need. Okay, so number three, space out gifts. 
Give presents from family or sibling exchanges or friends ahead of Christmas and after, especially if you do a big present Christmas day. And this is, you know, this is something that my daughter shared and typed up and I shared it on Instagram, but she's also doing many of the things that we did was we did the the gift exchange for the siblings on one day and then there was the name drawing with the extended family. You know, space it out. It's it can be way too overwhelming. Number four, pre-assemble the small stuff. Cut tape on box packaging, pry stuff out, and charge it ahead of time. Install batteries, cut the dozen little trees, do all of those things ahead of time. And it's funny because there was kind of, I'm going to talk about my husband here for a minute. It was, <laughs> I have a lot of engineers in my family, but on Christmas Eve, it was the big thing that the adults would stay up and put things together and get everything charged and make sure every... So the engineers in my family would complain about, what is, where do they get these instructions? Where is you, where's Jerry? Oh, he went upstairs to put the kids to bed and he would fall asleep. Sorry, Jerry. Give your kid... Oh, number five, earmuffs for noise overload. And then number six, give your kid an exit plan, especially if you do Christmas with extended family. Find a quiet place they can hide, and if they open something and immediately want to go play, let them. That was a biggie for our family. We did that. Like if a child would open a toy, like a Lego set or something, and they're just like, okay, I want to go play with it. Let them, and we would let them no matter what the adults were doing. And sometimes my kiddos would be opening presents until five or six, not because they had that many, just because they would open one and want to play with it. And that's okay. Exempt them from the spend time with us or open another present rush. So you don't have to give in to that. You're the adult, you're the parent, you're in charge. Number seven, discipline for actions, but not emotions. If you've got a kid whining, disappointed, grumpy, etc., give them some space away from noise and crowds to process. Some kids don't know what they're feeling or how to define it until it comes pouring out of them. Usually adults see this as ingratitude when it could be a dozen other things. Finally, This is number eight, which is not finally because there's 10. If you've got a kid who is always snooping, consider just telling them what they're getting. Sometimes the anticipation of the surprise can feel paralyzing and obsessive instead of exciting. Some kids have more fun looking forward to specific things they know that they will be there for them. Like one of the things that I've, we're a big Lego family. And so now it's kind of gone on to, passed on to my grandchildren. And they, every year they know, okay, they can tell me exactly which Lego kit they would like for Christmas. And that's fine with me. It's fine if they know. In fact, my kiddos did that when they were younger. Here's the Lego kit I want. Here's the thing I want. That's okay. It's okay. All right. Number nine. 
Do you have a fancy Christmas outfit for dinner or pictures? Great. Don't make the kid wear it a second longer than they have to. Take pajamas with you or change into comfy or a change of comfy clothes. If you don't have clothing sensory issues, please believe me when I say that they can shut down your entire brain. I'm an adult and I can't think or function if I'm wearing something that feels wrong. And my husband were talking, my husband and I were talking about this, you know, the the thing in our family has always been like for Christmas dinner, my boys would wear their khakis and a Christmas sweater and the girls might wear their Christmas dress or something, you know, for Christmas dinner. And everybody, extended family, everybody participated in that. But as soon as, like, less than two seconds after dinner was over, my kids would change. And sometimes the adults would balk at that, like, well, wait a minute, why are they wearing their pajamas or the sweatpants or whatever? Like, just, it's fine. They needed that. They needed to go put comfy clothes on. They showed up. You know, how hard is it for us to show up and feel like we're on stage for family events or Christmas events, parties, etc.? How quickly do we get home from something and just like, where's my sweatpants or where's my yoga pants or where's my comfy clothes? In fact, one of my granddaughters was spending the night um, last weekend. It was for her birthday and... So I, she was texting me on, on her mom's phone, and she was like, can you send me a checklist of things to bring? And one of the things I put on there was comfy clothes. And we were going to go to this little town called Thomas, West Virginia, and it's just such a cute little town, and go to the Christmas store and some other little art galleries and get coffee at the Tip Top Cafe, and do these sorts of things. And so she had brought an outfit to wear that was leggings and a little dress to wear when we were shopping. And when I was helping her that morning, we were getting ready to go, she pulled out her um, Cabela sweatshirt and some comfy sweatpants, and she was like, help me, Nene. I need to, I need to know what to wear. Should I wear this? And I was like, well you know, we're going to be riding in the car for a while and whatever. What are you going to, what do you feel comfortable in? So she picked the sweatpants and the sweatshirt, which was fine with me. Why do we put all this pressure? I mean, go to Walmart today and you'll see people in their pajamas. I'm not going to do that. And yes, there is a certain time that you maybe wear your dress clothes for dinner. And that outing was a very casual outing. It wasn't something that we needed to dress up for. Okay, number 10, safe foods. Make sure dinner and parties have safe foods. Few things are worse than trying to eat new, unfamiliar, or disliked things when sensory and emotional states are so high that it's already killed your appetite. True, true. And, you know, um, if you follow me on Instagram, you've over Thanksgiving, you saw how I was sharing the the dishes that I was making, the pumpkin pie with the walnut crust, gluten-free, soy-free, dairy-free, and the carrot cake muffins. Okay, they're really cupcakes. Gluten-free, dairy-free, soy-free. Like we do have a lot of food sensitivities and I have celiac disease. We have all of these things in our family. So 
bringing our own food or making special dishes or having, you know, exceptions for kids, that's pretty normal for us. So sometimes I'm glad that she mentioned that in her list because sometimes I don't think about mentioning it. But, you know, I go back to the one rule of writing that my mother always hammered into me is assume the reader knows nothing. And I think that applies to this podcast as well, is I can't assume that you have my experience and that your family has my experience. And listen, it is totally 100% okay that your children only eat one or two items from the buffet at Christmas at your house or your extended family, wherever you go, they don't need to eat at all. They need to eat what they are comfortable with eating. Do they need to eat just cookies? No. But if you know ahead of time, because this is one thing that I do everywhere I go, I bring my own food. And maybe that sounds ridiculous to you to bring your own food to a holiday gathering, but if your child has food sensitivities, you already do that, right? And it's okay to do that for the holidays. And it's okay. And I, you know, it's okay for neurotypical children as well. I can remember, we will never forget this because we always tease my brother about it. One Thanksgiving, all my brother ate, my younger brother, by 10 years, all he ate was a whole can of cranberry sauce and a few pieces of turkey. That's all. That's all he ate. So whenever you're assembling your child's plate, like if we, our family is so large, we kind of have to do a buffet style, and you're assembling your child's plate, get what they like and ask them to taste something. And if they don't like it, don't make them eat it. You know, it's very old school parenting to do clean the plate. You have to clean your plate. You don't need to clean your plate. You don't, the the child does not need to eat everything on the plate. That's not serving anyone well. And not only that, but that can get into some eating disorders and all of those kinds of issues that we don't want our kids to deal with. Been there, done that. That is no fun. Clean your plate is not the the way to go. And um, my stepfather, Bud, always used to say, it looks better in the trash can than it does on me. And my mom was the, you know, children are starving in other countries if you don't clean your plate. But I remember very, very distinctly, and it always replays in my head. It looks better in the trash can than it does on me. Which means you don't need to eat everything. You don't need to make your children eat everything. Even when the family is pressuring you, don't give in to the pressure. Don't give in to the pressure. Protect your children. Protect their needs so that they can actually enjoy it. They can actually enjoy the gathering. So now I wanted to talk a little bit about other gatherings. Like I said, my husband and I were chatting about that this morning. Like when we would take our kiddos to like the holiday party at church, the Christmas party or whatever, like we used to have for our homeschool group, we would have every December a talent show, and that was also our Christmas party. Kiddos who do not 
know how to read social cues when they get into a situation like that and other kids are maybe a little more wound up, neurotypical kids, then the neurodivergent kids may just think it's a free-for-all. Like, oh my goodness. And then they get into trouble. And then the parents get called on the carpet. So this is a great time to really co-regulate. Stay with your child. When they're going through the line for cookies and sweets, then you go with them and make sure they don't eat 20 cookies. And co-regulate with them so that they don't get into trouble because they're not going to know this is okay to do or this is too far or this is too much. And then you'll also have the child because we were talking about this. Some of our kids were would just go overboard and go ballistic and be like, oh, there are no rules because everybody's acting out so I can do whatever I want. And then we had other children, especially my youngest, who would just Everything was so overwhelming that he would just shut down and be really quiet. And I would have people tell me, oh my goodness, he's so well behaved. He's doing, you know, he's so well mannered. It's like, no, he's not. He is overloaded. He is completely overloaded. So, yeah, that you have to be watching for that. And that, that child who was completely overloaded needed a quiet place to go to. He needed not to be so stimulated. And if, if I ask him later, you know, what was going on? Did he enjoy it? He would not even remember anything that had happened. He wouldn't remember the event or what was going on. And here's another example of that. He would, um, this is off topic kind of, but (laughs) every year in February, we celebrate our adoption day. Okay, so it's every year. And this is leading to a point, trust me. So on February 19th. Could you try again? No. Um, Sorry. For some reason, Siri thinks I'm talking to her on my other computer. (laughs) Um, So we would celebrate on February 19th, and every single year without fail, my youngest would say, why didn't you tell me I was adopted? And here's the thing. It wasn't something that we hid. It was something that was common knowledge, and anybody could talk about it at any time. But for some reason, he would just get overwhelmed overexcited, overstimulated, and that day would just be, he would just forget. And then he would demand, why didn't you tell me I was adopted? And that leads me to my next point. Prepare your child in advance. Let them know what's happening. What's happening next, where you're going, how long you're going, about how long you're going to stay. Who's going to be there? What's going to be expected of them? Now keep your war, your sentences short and be willing to re-explain over and over and over again when they ask you questions. But even if it's exactly the same as what you did the year before, take the time to explain it. Just because of the example I just shared. True story, every single year. 
Why didn't you? And I even had made him a little book that shared his whole story. I drew cartoons. Um, I'm not that I'm not that great at that, but I did it for him. His origin story, how he came home in air quotes to us, everything that had happened up to that point, and why we celebrated Adoption Day, even with that book every year. Why didn't you tell me it was adopted? So I'm just going to reiterate some of the things that my daughter Audrey said because they're kind of they were kind of stepping points for what I'm talking about is make sure your child has a safe place to escape to. Even if you're hosting in your own home, make sure that they have a place they can go to if they have to give up their bedroom for extended family then make sure that they know they can go to your room or somewhere else that if you have a library or a study so that they can escape. And it is okay for them to escape and reboot. It's okay. I know um, my friend Lori has, has talked about that over the holidays. She'll, you know, message my daughters and I, and I've told you before, she's like one of my daughters. So she's in our, our group chat. But um, she was telling us last year, I think it was, that her, her teenage daughter, like during the, she was hosting for the holidays, and her daughter just had to go back to her bedroom for a while. And then the other relatives were, you know, get her back out here. She needs to participate. She can't do, you know, she can't just hide away. Well, yes, they can. They're allowed to. They need to reboot. And we would if we could, right? <laughs> so we need to consider that. It's okay. And don't ask your kiddos to share their new toys. We are not communists. I am not communist. I tell my chil- I used to tell my children that all the time. Like, if it's your toy, it's yours. You don't have to share it. I don't know where we got this idea that everybody has to share everything all the time. That is just not the way that our society is built. Now, I do not mind my kids sharing, and I appreciate them sharing if they want to share. And here's a good adult example of that. If you show up in my house today, right now, and... You just walk in and you turn on the coffee maker and you start making yourself a cup of coffee, sitting on my couch, watching my TV. That is not okay because we are not communists. And I might get some flack for saying that, but that's okay. And we shouldn't expect our children to share their brand new toys on Christmas. And I have seen that escalate at extended family gatherings and other friends' gatherings where the kid just eventually just melts down and shuts down and nobody's having any fun. Nobody's having any fun. And another thing I like to say, if it's not fun for everyone, then it's not fun. Yes, you're going to have some kids that say, well, I want to play with his new whatever, but you know what? It's okay. They don't get to do everything they want, just like we don't get to do everything they want. Protect your child's right to own that property 
and play with it and enjoy it without anybody else telling him how to handle it. And that will solve a lot, a lot of issues. Now, in our household, we've always had the community toys, like a train track and extra Legos that anybody can build with and art supplies, but there are certain things that our children each own themselves. Okay, I'm getting off on a tangent there, but... All right. And here's another thing about the toy. Play with the toys with them on Christmas Day or whatever holiday gathering you're at right then. Because I mentioned that before in Audrey's little list is that, you know, if the kids open something and they immediately want to play with it, that's okay. That's part of the joy. It's like, oh my gosh, you got me this Lego set. I ask you for it and I'm excited about it and I want to put it together. Will you help me? Well, don't ask me. <laughs> but my sister-in-law, Chris, she is, uh, she's an engineer and that's, she was the go-to person on Christmas Day or my husband. But she would sit there with the kiddo for an, an hour or so, however long it took, and go through the instructions methodically, put the thing together, help them do it. She was very, very patient with all of the kids, her kids, my kids, anybody's kids. And it's, oh my gosh, my kids remember that so much. And your kids will too. That will be a joy to them. Remember when I got this Lego set and now we've turned to buying like we buy one, we buy the kids the Legos that they want, my grandkids now. And then for the whole family, we buy one huge Lego set for people to put together. And I can't tell you what ours is this year. I'll wait till after Christmas, just in case somebody, one of my kids is listening to this. <laughs> but we did a couple of years ago, we bought a giant Yoda, which took a long, long time. We didn't finish it on Christmas Day. Well, when I say we, not me. <laughs> All right, I'm going to finish up with a couple things that, you know, these are very traditional parenting-based expectations. You should be respectful. You need to hug your aunt, your uncle, your cousin, your whoever comes in the door. No. Kids should not be required to hug unless they want to. Okay? And respect goes both ways. If a child is overwhelmed and they can't answer a question or they're being quizzed about something, can you read? Um, uh, do you have a job? You know, all of those things that we get quizzed on. Do you know your multiplication tables for kiddos? Do you know your states? You know this, you know. Well, when I was a child, we knew this by the time I was three years old. You know, you step in. It's okay to step in and protect your child and say, you know, we're not, unless your child wants to. Some kiddos like to just sit there and talk about facts, and that's okay. But if they don't want to and they feel uncomfortable and they feel cornered and they feel insecure, and if you listened to last week's episode about attachment, you're probably thinking about all the attachment styles right now, and you might even be at your next 
Christmas party, caroling, whatever you do, you might be going through all of the attachment styles and being like, okay, that person is that way, that person is secure, that person is avoidant, that person is resistant, ambivalent, and that person is disorganized. Just know, though, that uh, the adult attachment styles do are a little bit different, but not much. So you might be doing that. So while you are being the detective and being like, oh my gosh, I didn't know I had all these attachment styles in my family. That's why this person is this way, and that's why this person responds this way. Then at the same time that you're internalizing that, thinking about it, think about having your child being securely attached to you. Be that safe base at whatever holiday event you're at, for your child to return to, that they know you are their advocate. You are going to stand up for them. You are going to protect them. You're going to make this a more pleasant, enjoyable experience for them. No matter what any adult is saying, no matter who is telling you, you you, you need to do it this way, this way we always did it. Well, the way that we always did it sometimes created people who were avoidant in attachment or ambivalent resistant in attachment. So no, it's okay to reevaluate your parenting and parent the way that you need to parent for that particular child. Not only during the holidays, but it's always heightened during the holidays. Everything is heightened. It's like there's expectations. Everybody's got to behave perfectly. You have to be dressed in your Christmas outfit Or you have to be dressed in this when you go to the Christmas party at church or the talent show or whatever you're going to. So keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. And I already went over, don't require a child to eat everything. I'm just looking through my notes one last time. And I recorded a podcast on why traditional parenting doesn't work. And... This is not the time during the holidays to institute the old school parenting. And if you miss that one, go back and listen to it. And you can even get a free chapter of how to have peace when your kids are in chaos, why traditional parenting doesn't work and what does work. So if that's something that you would like to review and keep in mind while you head into this last little stretch of the holiday season, including New Year's and all of those things. That's why I'm saying holiday, because I'm definitely 100% Christian is, you know, Christmas. We're celebrating Jesus's birth. We are celebrating the fact that he came to earth for us. I'm definitely 100% that, but I am, I'm not being, um, I'm just trying to be really practical in these things right now. So I'm going to finish up for for today so I don't keep rambling. But I want to invite you, because it's getting close to the Tackling Mom Stress 5-Day Email Challenge. So when the month of December ends, I'm going to need a reboot, no matter how much I love the Christmas season. I love the caroling. I love the Christmas music. I love helping with kids' church. We just had a big kids' night 
the other night at our church and we got to sing carols and do motions and had a birthday cake for Jesus and it was just a blast. But it's just there's so much more on our plates during the season, whether we're being mindful and practicing self-regulation and all of those things and thriving and enjoying it, but we still need a reboot. Or maybe you just want the holidays to be over. If any of those things is true, the Tackling Mom Stress 5-Day Challenge is for you. Are you ready to leave the holiday stress behind and create a better new year in just 15 minutes a day? And, you know, I see all of these posts about be a new you in the new year. And although I believe that we are new creatures in Christ, I don't think we need to just all of a sudden, as soon as the calendar flips to January 1st, that we need to totally just be a new person. But we can create a better you, not better you, a better new year in our habits and the way that we process things and the way that we address things. So it's time to learn how to make time for self-care, take simple steps to reset your budget, connect with your kiddos even when you're stressed, and be happy for real. So this challenge is to help moms, and we're just a bunch of moms that are doing this challenge, create a better new year after the chaos of the holiday season. And it runs from December 26th, which is a Friday, through December 30th. So you have time to sign up still. Stacy from Bold and Daring Mom will be addressing three reasons why moms struggle to make time to care for themselves and simple steps to change that. Shelly from Make Happiness Happen will share three tips to stop faking it and to be happy for real. Megan from Frugal Made Simple will be sharing three things you can do today to improve your budget all year. Kathleen, yours truly, from Trauma-Informed Parenting, will be sharing three steps to keep connecting with your kiddos, even when you're stressed. So sign up for the free Tackling Mom Stress Challenge today, and I will link it in the show notes. And if you don't subscribe to me by email, do that, because I send all this information out to my subscribers. Thanks for joining me today, and I will see you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to Trauma-Informed Parenting. Make sure you subscribe on TraumaInformedParenting.com to receive a free resource and receive a newsletter plus updates when books or new courses are released. Also, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Podomatic, or Spotify and leave a review so other listeners can find trauma-informed parenting and know the value of the show. You're welcome to send me an email to contact at trauma-informedparenting.com.